This episode of Stuck in the East has been brought to you by... Good morning, Captain. Good morning, Captain. For you, maybe. Will you get a haircut? Yes, sir. The 80s Cruise. Find out more at the80scruise.com. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. The catchphrases. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? And the wannabes. Sometimes I see you dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? What you doing here? Oh, officer, you know what just happened a few minutes ago. You ain't gonna believe it. Check this out. The truck, it just stopped, man. It just stopped. You got some jumper cables, you give me a jump. Yeah, uh, don't I know you from someplace? Nah, man, that ain't me. I'm from Buffalo. Inspector Todd gave me a message for you. Wanna hear it? I don't think so. He says if you're out here investigating the Tandino murder, you needn't bother coming back. He tells me if we inform him you are working on this case, he'll have you brought up on charges and fired. Now, one last time, what are you doing? I'm on vacation! We're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? <laughs> it should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. Yeah, Jenny, don't worry about me. We got cocaine and coffee here. We're going to get wide and have a big party. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And today, today, my friends... We celebrate Axel Foley, the banana in the tailpipe, five pounds of undigested red meat in our bowels, and of course, the 30th anniversary of Beverly Hills Cop. Get the f*** out of here! No, I cannot. It's serious because it's very important, base. With me as always, he's the man who wrecked the buffet at the Harrow Club this morning. It's Brad in L.A. Steve, I am not on duty, and so I am going to have a beer. (laughs) Are you really? Son of a bitch! Yes, I am. You know, I made yeah, this—I I made this pledge a long time ago that I wasn't gonna—I uh, wasn't gonna drink during podcasts anymore. But you—you uh, you, you tempt me. You tempt well, I—I I just got off the roof. I've been on the roof hanging my Christmas lights, and it's hot out there. So I need something to cool me down. You're in L.A. or you're outside L.A., right? Yeah, I'm in L.A. County, but I'm not in Los. I'm not in the city of Los Angeles. You know, dragnet didn't happen out here. <laughs> so, so for people like me who are kind of geographically challenged. Beverly Hills is where in L.A.? I've, uh, I've been there. You, okay. You... Yeah, it's on the west side. Um, it's over closer to um, – well, okay, so what landmark do you know? LAX? Well, yeah, I mean I was there for that big Hollywood yeah. Bowl trip. I mean, you Okay, were... so if you're at the Hollywood Bowl, you would go more or less due west from there to go into Beverly Hills. So it's between about halfway between the Hollywood Bowl and the water. Okay, so but it's it's far away from or it's it's a journey from like downtown L.A. to yeah, it's you know it's fifteen miles or so, and and it earns I presume its reputation for being, you know, Beverly Hills. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, even today it's funny watching the 
watching the, the movie last night and seeing them going down Rodeo Drive, and I'm like, yeah, it's probably still like that. The cars are newer, and the, some of the stores have changed, but it's still like that. Well, it's about time. I thought you guys forgot I was down here. I was getting hungry. I've never been in no cell that had a phone in it. Can I stay for a while? Because I ordered some pizza. When we were there, I guess it was, how many years ago was it? Like three years now, maybe? Yeah, I think it was three years. <clears throat> maybe we four. Did, I think one of the days, it was me and Sean Daly and some other stuck in friends, and we went down Rodeo Drive. I think we might have actually had lunch somewhere there, you know, $20 hamburger type thing. Did you wreck the buffet at the $20 hamburger club? <laughs> Is there really a Hero <laughs> Club, or was there? I, I don't believe so, but it's worth a little check. <laughs> But uh, that's that's my the, favorite. The building that they use for that is actually on uh, the Caltech campus. So so though so even though we call you Brad and Ellie, how many times do you actually find yourself in Beverly Hills? Oh, I don't go down there ever. Uh, I had a business meeting down there uh, about a year and a half ago, and that was the last time I've been there. Uh, it's yeah, I don't have any reason to be down there. Sir, you are under arrest. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to have an attorney present during questioning. Yeah, I understand. I understand the rights. I know this is bullshit, though, man. I got thrown out of a window. Please get in the car, sir. Yeah, but tell me, sir, what's the charge? Possession of a concealed weapon and disturbing the peace. Disturbing the peace? I got thrown out of a window. What's the f***ing charge for getting pushed out of a moving car, huh? Jaywalking? This is bullshit. To make a long story short, we're honoring uh, Beverly Hills Cop on its 30th anniversary, and a lot of times when we do these podcasts about movies from the 80s, we, we're talking about movies that maybe maybe you saw once, or maybe you saw five minutes of it, or maybe you never heard of it, and we're kind of introducing it to you. Or maybe Brad talked Steve into doing a show on it, like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, Yeah, it's possible. Now, Beverly Hills Cop is an exception because I'm assuming that everyone out there has seen it probably at least five times. Yeah, if you've got a pulse, you've seen this. So today's podcast is more kind of like it's more of a celebration of the anniversary. We'll, we'll throw a couple facts at you about the movie that maybe you didn't know, and um, and then we'll have our seggies. And we'll, you know, it'll all be a nice, fun time. We'll listen to some music. We'll have some wine. <laughs> I put on. Wow, some are James. you putting the moves on me? I'm, I'm going to put on <laughs> the James jams. Taylor. James Taylor will come on. Oh no! That was, by the way, I don't know if I'm sure I mentioned that before in a podcast, but um, in the '80s, that was like the go-to. Like, I mean, like I always used Purple Rain as like my go-to seducing music, but yeah. everybody else that was more reasonable. James uh, Taylor was the closer for that. Yeah, one. James Taylor. I to this day I can't. I really don't like James Taylor, and that kind of explains my social mm-hmm. ineptitude yes, in the absurd. '80s and beyond. Yes. We'll have dinner soon, yes? Well, that'd be lovely. Take care. So here's some quick facts about Beverly Hills Cop, the movie. Uh, released on December 5th, 1984. It was the first movie to be released in more than 2,000 movie theaters. It earned. It ended up earning about $234 million in the domestic uh, box offices. That is a boatload of money. 234 My gosh. For a rated that R movie. In, in, in 1984? That's yeah. That's a lot of... You know, that's back when... Uh, Movie ticket was what five four, bucks, four dollars maybe. Yeah, yeah. In Florida, maybe two fifty. It it has an interesting little run. It was nominated for an Oscar for best screenplay. It lost. Huh. It lost. Do you, do you have any idea what it lost to? I guarantee, uh, I guarantee you, you will not be able to name this. In eighty four, um, <laughs> you just give. I don't up. know. Amadeus. That's good. That's actually a good guess, but wrong. Uh, <laughs> Nice try, Brad. 
uh, places in the heart. <laughs> okay. Which which is what we're talking about on our next podcast, the one that no yeah. one will listen to. Yeah. Uh, it was nominated for a Golden Globe for best comedy. It lost. It did. Uh, do you want to uh, guess which movie it lost to? Let's see, eighty four comedies. Um... Oh gosh, I don't know. Romancing the Stone. Really? <laughs> Can you believe that? <clears throat> I mean, I like Romancing the Stone. Actually, we just we just watched that, and the kids were like, "This is kind of cute." You know, it's funny. It's not bad. But it's not. It's not bad, but it's not best anything. No, no. It was nominated for a Grammy for Best Original Score. It won. Well, that Neutron Dance bolted across the line, baby. Uh, <laughs> so it won. It beat out. Uh, it's actually original score, so not it wouldn't count for oh, Neutron okay. Dance. Not, but, not but soundtrack. We'll talk about the oh, soundtrack. Yeah, you later. know what? Axel Foley, sure. That yeah, yeah, yeah. It won. It beat out Back to the Future and Santa Most Fire, among others. So that's interesting. As far as the critics go, it did fairly well. Today, if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, which is a great website, by the way, and I get two dollars yeah. every time I mention it, <laughs> um, they have an eighty-three. It gets an eighty-three percent fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, by comparison, Beverly Hills Cop Two has a forty-six percent fresh rating. Really? Beverly Hills Cop Three has a ten percent fresh. Okay, rating. Okay, three is a stinker, but I I thought two was fun. I mean, if you like one, two is like one amplified. Right. Right. Um, it, we'll have to wait till March 2016 to find out what kind of uh, ratings Beverly Hills Cop 4 will get. That's the release date um, that's tentatively scheduled for that future stinker. Eddie Murphy's scheduled to return for that. The word on the street is that it's they're kind of writing it to be a much more family-friendly version of Beverly Hills Cop. So probably really? try. Yeah. Well, Eddie Murphy doesn't do radar movies anymore. Uh, you're right. Eddie Murphy has kind of checked out. You know, you have a very big mouth, sir. Are you hiding something from me? Is that what you're doing? I bet you that is your Porsche that's parked outside, isn't it? Isn't that your Porsche? Is it? How would you like for me to have the IRS come down here and crawl up your f***ing ass with a microscope? Because they'll do it. I've seen them do it. It's not a pretty sight. I want you to know something, pal. And I want all of y'all to know something. I can have 25 agents down here in 15 minutes to march in here, snatch your bond from underneath you, and you guys will be out of business permanently if I don't get some cooperation. Is that understood? Don't get upset, Inspector. We'll give you everything you need. Right, guys? So let's talk about the plot for a second. I mean, I know most people know this, but it just bears for repeating. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop is, of course, about a dog named Chloe who gets kidnapped in Mexico and has to escape from an evil Doberman named El Diablo with the, with the help of a lonely German shepherd, Delgado, and a hyperactive male chihuahua, Happy, who has a desperate crush on her. I think you might have switched the DVD sleeves. Oh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Yeah. My bad. My bad. Sometimes, you know... A little bit of extra research would have gone a long way in this case. I thought maybe you watched that crossover Beverly Hills Lethal Cop Weapon. Oh, God. Um, so anyway, everyone knows Beverly Hills Cop actually about a street smart cop from Detroit played by Eddie Murphy who heads to L.A. to investigate the murder of his best friend only to discover that police work in Beverly Hills is a tad bit different than it is in Detroit. Wow. You know, it says here that by the time the average American is 50... He's got five pounds of undigested red meat in his bowels. Why are you telling me this? What makes you think I have any interest in that at all? Well, you eat a lot of red meat. True or false, Brad? This is Eddie Murphy's second movie. Um, is it his second or his... I was going to say his third, because doesn't he have a concert movie out, too? 
I'm not gonna. I mean, this? I'm talking about you don't count straight, that. Okay, straightforward like actual movie movies. Movie. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is his second movie. Wrong. Uh, would you believe me if I told you it was his fourth? I, I would, because you did more research for this than I did. <laughs> Everyone knows the first one, right? That's it's forty eight hours. Isn't right, it? first right. One. Then comes Trading Places. It's Trading Places. Oh, actually, Katie today was like, "Why aren't you guys doing Trading Places?" I'm like, "I don't know, uh, we're morons." Have we done a Trading Places show? I don't think so. Uh, Maybe we did. We may have mentioned it somewhere. Anyway, <laughs> doesn't matter. And then number three. Best Defense with uh, uh, Dudley Moore. Dudley Moore. <laughs> no wonder we forget that one. A stalwart at the video rental counter. No, we're out of Beverly Hills Cop, but we've got this other Eddie Murphy movie. It's it's what sprung him into Beverly Hills Cop. You can't, you know. This launched him right up there. How could uh, Eddie Murphy and Dudley Moore go wrong? They did. Yeah. Yeah. I would rather watch Beverly Hills Chihuahua than watch Best Defense. Harsh but fair. So anyway, like I said, the critics themselves were kind of like... For the most part, very you know they're along with they were right along with the rest of us in loving this movie. One, I think Ebert didn't like this. Ebert right? Ebert did not. My my uh, my idol, my my film critic. He wrote, "Quote: Audiences may expect a comedy, but the closing shootout seems inspired by a machine gun massacre at the end of a Brian De Palma Scarface, and the whole business with the cocaine is very very tired." That when we see the boss and his henchmen in the warehouse, we feel like we've been switched to another movie. <laughs> Maybe a dozen other movies, unquote. Uh, you know, he's not wrong, but somehow it's okay. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I mean, if you, if you think about it, okay, so look at Eddie Murphy's probably three best-known movies of the 80s. Um, 48 Hours, Beverly Hills Cop, and for, for lack of a better one, um, Golden Child. Training Place? Well, okay, Golden Child. Uh, gold, shoot. All three of them are basically – cop movies one way or another or okay you know fighting evil the quest movie yeah, yeah exactly i mean yeah trading places would be the sort of uh exception trading places is so Dick- dickensian is that how you say yeah. that yeah dickensian <laughs> dickensian oh. and it starts with that starts with that classical music yeah i love that movie i'm surprised we haven't done that um some other things you probably didn't know about uh beverly hills cop eddie murphy was not the first pick to play axel foley yeah, this kind of melted my brain a little bit. I tried to imagine this movie with the guy that they were originally going to go for. This movie was written back in the late 70s, and it was written for Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, I hear you're the second best cop in L.A. That's funny. I hear the same thing about you. I think this is a lot less – this is not a funny movie. This becomes just a gritty, everybody's dying movie. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what that's what Stallone was doing then. I mean, he, yeah, exactly. he didn't do comedy until – Stop or my mom will shoot. <laughs> well, he didn't try comedy. Until. He didn't do intentional comedy. Um, but uh, no, it was written for. It was written. I mean, just from start to finish for Stallone. He supposedly balked at it. He started having his own ideas of what a cop movie should be, and decided to leave and made 1986's movie Cobra instead. Your disease, and I'm the cure. Uh-huh. Bad movie, bad movie. The super cop thing wasn't working in that movie. Yeah, yeah. There's also some some weird rumor out there that the studio wouldn't uh, stock his preferred brand of orange juice in his trailer. I don't know if I'm going to believe that, but I'm going to repeat it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it going even if neither of yeah, us believe it. Yeah. So um, Murphy comes on board. The, the pages have to basically be scrapped and rewritten. What ends up happening, of course, is... Murphy ends up improving entire scenes on his own. The- See that? That's the federal <laughs> tax stamp. <laughs> so, even, so the super cop scene 
which you uh, you just mentioned. Ent- I love that scene. Entirely concocted by Eddie Murphy. If you look carefully, you'll see John Ashton uh, looking down at his feet, stifling, trying not to laugh. Trying not to laugh. And and Judge Reinhold later would say that he was pinching himself through his pocket to, so that he would not bust up laughing. Yeah, during- that's just that's just a great scene. Taggart. Would you mind explaining to me what you and Rosewood were doing in a strip bar out of our jurisdiction when you were still on duty? Sir, before you chastise these two officers, I think it's something you should know. The only reason that they were at a strip bar was because they were tailing me and I went to this place. Now, these two officers were sitting outside wondering what I was doing. I wasn't having a good time. I'm into things like that. Anyway, these guys waited outside, and the only reason that they came in was because they saw two suspicious-looking gentlemen with bulges in their jackets going into the place. Well, it turns out that these guys were going to commit a robbery, sir. These men watched them, waited for them to make their move, and then they foiled a crime. I did not know what was going on. I was watching the show having fun. I'm still freaked out by it. You must have a sixth sense. I don't know what you teach these fellows, but they're not just regular cops, okay? They're super cops. And the only thing missing on these guys are capes. So let's talk about our favorite scenes or our favorite quotes from this movie. Okay, so um, at the at the end at the shootout that, that Roger Ebert just talked about, which is a little ridiculous, you've got you know these two guys pinned down and two guys with machine guns, and and Judge Reinhold says, you know that scene at the end of Butch. I keep thinking about that scene at the end of Butch Cassidy. He really does steal <laughs> the movie. Classic. There's two people who steal this movie. Judge Reinhold steals it a little bit. Yeah, and then it's just this perfect kind of laid back California cop. I'm worried about you. You're <laughs> drinking a lot of coffee. I wonder if that's why you're so stressed. He, he really, I mean, he between this and Fast Times at Richmond High, he really, you know, he had some gems in the eighties. Did anybody knock anymore? Um, the other guy who steals it obviously is Bronson Pinchot. Oh yeah, he's he's just fantastic. Serge, um, it, it, gives, it gives everyone their favorite scene probably of, of the movie. This one right here. What are you here. doing today? Hi. I'm fine. My name is Serge, and how can I help you? Um, yeah, I'm looking for Miss Jenny Summers. It's very busy today. Maybe you give me your name? My name is Axel Foley. And uh, what is pertaining? I didn't understand what you said. Pertaining, what it's meaning, regarding. Oh, what's it regarding? I'm an old acquaintance of hers. Donay? One moment. Don't you want to tell me, Summers, that uh, Mr. Ahmed Foley is here to no, see... Axel Foley. Axel. Ahmed, Ahwell. Axel. Foley is here to see her. He's our old acquaintance. That's an important piece. <laughs> it's a, so and obviously, this was the, this was the, the role that sort of uh, shot him into, uh, you know, Perfect Strangers. Yeah. Rumor has it that... He was supposed to share that scene with somebody else, like another person who was working uh, in the art store. And yeah. when the director heard his accent, he changed his mind and basically made the entire scene about Serge. So, yeah. Rightfully so. Good choice. That's Good what directors choice. are for. So, Making the hard call. I would say so. So you pick that. You pick Bill Cassidy. I pick Serge. I mean anybody who knows me too knows that I always pick the um, – uh, Daly used to always ask me to quote the uh, – is this the man who wrecked the buffet? <laughs> Be quiet, he can hear you. Through the wall? Yes. <laughs> I, I never, it never gets old. I mean, it's just, it's one of those movies, you know, you know, and you know what makes this movie so cool, too, and as a way of transitioning into this, the soundtrack to Beverly Hills Cop. 
Oh yeah, it's, it's so fun. It's so fun. And I'll admit right now, I did not own it. You um, didn't need to. It was on the radio it was all the time. Radio constantly. There's there's absolutely no reason to buy this soundtrack. But in terms of setting a scene or 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 setting up the right attitude, it might be one of the best, you know, composed soundtracks of the decade. And you know, I mean, everybody knows the heat is on, Glenn Fry, or the Neutron Dance by the Pointer Sisters. But even yeah. little things like um, "Stirred Up" by Patti LaBelle, you know, when when Axel first shows yeah. up in Beverly Hills, and stuff yeah, like that. that's a great scene. The, you know, another great '80s montage as he cruises LA. Yeah, that's, it is a great '80s montage. I wish we had a video version of our podcast so that we could do the the great montages of the '80s, which I know <laughs> I know is close to your heart. Yeah, completely Love impossible. A good montage. Well, you know, completely okay. impossible to do with a uh, just an audio only. Someday. When we get our public access TV show. But you know what we have in the meantime? The, the Seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. Um, as always, we'll play a snippet from a movie from the 80s. If you can get it right, you uh, you get your name read, for, first of all. Uh, and then hopefully you'll be entered into the drawing for the Stuckney's bottle openers. Well, you will be entered. Hopefully, you'll win. <laughs> and hopefully, let's be clear. Hope, hopefully, know, we we'll don't remember have, to send. We don't to have you. Deloitte actually auditing this giveaway, but you know, I, I know a guy who knows a guy that works there, and he looks at it. So, it's oh, good. excellent, good, good. So it's on the up and up. Pay attention. Here's the clip from our last show. You've no idea who I am, have you? Yes, you're Sado Noopsy. Yeah, big surprise! Another Eddie Murphy movie. That's the Golden oh. Child. Sometimes, and you wonder why it is we came up with the idea to do Beverly Hills Cop this week. Well, that and the fact that it just turned I thought it was because it was the anniversary. Yeah, but it is kind of a zen sort of thing that I did pick an Eddie Murphy movie last time around. I, that you was did that, You did that like blind? Yeah, yeah. No, no I, intentions? No, I just I just wanted to, I don't know why I picked that. I just was like, well. I don't believe you for a second, but okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Read some winners. <laughs> winners include Curtain Dirty Jersey, Billy from Paducah, Shazam in St. Louis, Todd in Minnesota, Lou, sweet Lou, Grilly, Phil in Adelaide, Kevin Wench, Maureen Holt, and Rob the Casbah Stro. Pay attention. Here's our clip for this show. Tra la 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 la. Thanks, Dad. You're going to like this. What is it, a birdcage? If you know it, email us at sit80s at gmail.com or steven the80s at gmail.com or brad in the80s at gmail.com. Ah, the mystic refrain that is named that 80s tune. Same shtick here. Uh, we will play a snip from a movie. We, or, or a song. We will play a snip from a song from the 80s if you get it right. Um, hopefully you'll win that bottle opener. How many did we, we, we ordered? What, 50 of them? Um, yeah, I don't Give remember. or take. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and we each kept 20 for ourselves. I have because, a bag of them in my desk. Yeah. I have one that sits out on my desk at work. Anyway, well, I have one I use to open beers that I drink on the show. But do you, you drink out of cans, don't you? For the most part. Oh no, no. No, I drink. I, <laughs> I drink Coors Light out of cans. Okay, I'm sorry, it's true. But right now, I'm enjoying a New Belgium fat tire. Okay, well, interesting. I'm enjoying carbonated water. So, so much better for you. It is. Uh, here we go. Pay attention. Here's the clip from our last show. Yeah, that was not the uh, hardest challenge ever. That was I Want a New Drug by Huey Lewis in the News. I want a new drug. Want the woman make me sick? Want the woman make me crash my car? Softball. That was a total softball. You know, when I chose it, I, 
I thought it might trip a few people up, but nobody um, nobody got it wrong. Some people got the movie wrong. Yeah, some people got the movie wrong. They picked Coming to America, but uh, not naming names. But uh, it did. Thank you for correcting my English, which, which stinks. stinks. <laughs> Oops, that's not that's not it either. <laughs> anyway, read some winners. Winners, we got. It's a long list. Okay, pause. Pause for breaths. Winners include <gasps> Tim in Harrisburg, Pinhead, Dax in Indy, Colin in Spokane, Gabriel Daigle, Christian Lopez in Minnesota, Marie Mueller from Bradenton. I guess that's Florida, right? Yeah. Kim in North Liberty, Iowa. Julie Hooken, Hauken, Houchen, Julie, I'm sorry. That's just bad. Julie H. Julie H. Thanks, Julie H. Alex in San Jose. Dr. Dim. Alex Sticks. Stuck in the 80s. Cardoso Solis from Tijuana, Mexico. Howard in Fremont, who points out it could also be Weird Al's I Want a New Duck. Okay, we'll get a ruling on that from the judges. John in Phoenix. Rock the Good Ag. Carol Jansen. Scott in New Hampshire. Lou Grilly and Steve Crosby. <laughs> Pay attention. Here's our clip for the show. If you know it, email us at sitagentgmail.com, stevenagentgmail.com, bradagentgmail.com. And uh, Brad, spin the wheel of fate and see who's getting a bottle opener. Uh, looks like it's... Marie Mueller from Bradenton, Florida. Nice. There we go. Yay. Okay, Marie, shoot us an address and we'll uh, have the U.S. Postal Service deliver a, a opener to you. Bradenton, for just so you know, is just south of St. Petersburg. Oh, okay. Um, it's You go over the big Sunshine Skyway Bridge and boink, Bradenton. It's called the Sunshine Skyway Bridge? Yeah, yeah. And back in the 80s, it actually was hit by a tanker on a cloudy morning and collapsed. And You're kidding. No. I'm trying to think how many, how many people. Did anybody go tippling oh, into yeah. the bay? About, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to think how many people died. Between 30, That's scary. 30 and, between 30 and 50 people, a whole bus, oh a whole bus oh, fell. Can you imagine? No. Um, the scary thing was my dad had just crossed that bridge like 20 minutes before that. Oh, my gosh. And, That's um, scary. Yeah, my mom held us home from school that day. Um, I remember that. And so they had to rebuild the bridge. They, they one span fell, and so they had, they rebuilt that span. Then they completely rebuilt it a, a few years ago. It's it's quite nice um, now. It's I, but cruise ships still go underneath it um, from the port of Tampa, and when they do, they don't they don't clear the bridge by all that much. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, we're good. Like okay, like maybe ten feet. Well, but there, I mean. You know the navigation systems, and you know are so 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 much better than they are, you know, than they were twenty years. That's ago. what they'll tell you anyway, so that you don't freak out I, every time you drive over the bridge. I believe it. Come on, have you ever used like a traffic app on your phone? It's like this is what lane you're in. Oh no, I've <laughs> never done that. I mean, the GPS GPS is pretty accurate. Uh, Tune into Brad's GPS talk for yeah. more information. It has strangely enough has more female listeners than ours. Once again, it's my sultry tone. <laughs> Ah, the mystical refrain of reader mailbag. Hey, it's actually out of place, um, this show, but for good reason. Um, We're allowed to shuffle things around. We do. We we moved around because one of the letter writers gives away one of the seggy answers, so we move it around. We move it around. Go ahead. First letter from uh, Dr. Incognito. Dr. Incognito writes, 
Greetings, lads. I have returned after a long hiatus of listening, but not writing in. Oh, so, okay, so he's listening, but not writing. Got it. Sorry, I'm caught up. I'm not sure if I've written in the Brad in L.A. era. Yikes. Is it really the Brad in L.A. era? We need better names. Uh, if it's not too late to submit an answer, this week's tune was, of course, I Want a New Drug by Huey Lewis and the News. 300 other people will get it, but I need to get my name in the hat to win one of those bottle openers. I'm still shocked and embarrassed that I didn't get the Lebanon, but that's water under the bridge. On another note, are you sitting down, Steve? Yeah, yeah, of course. On another note, I never need to hear the words, the 80s cruise again. Uh I won't be going on the cruise because my wife wouldn't want to go, and really, what fun would it be to go by myself if I wasn't single? Well, I'll I'll let you know. Uh, (laughs) However, (laughs) I totally have no problem with regular updates about it. But guys, every five minutes in this week's podcast, you went back to the freaking cruise. Maybe it was just enthusiasm, but it sure sounded like product placement. It was like watching one of those chintzy TV shows with characters carefully displaying their cans of Pepsi and talking about how wonderful their new Toyota Yaris is. (laughs) Well, you know that's product placement. Please, I beg you, don't be those guys. I hope this was just an anomaly. I tell you what, Dr. Incognito, you send me a Pepsi free and we'll be all clear. You want a Pepsi, pal? You're going to pay for it. As long as you listen to my playlist on Groove Shark. You know I love you, gents, but I got to keep it real. 80s-tastically yours, Dr. Incognito. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's, that's fair. That's, that's fair. Good. We did do it too much last year. I, I remember when I was listening to it while we were putting it together later. I was like, "Ooh, that's yeah. that too I, much." I, I, mean, I won't be. I won't lie to you. I am excited about it. I think it's going to be really fun. But at the same time, this isn't the '80s cruise podcast. It's no. stuck in the '80s. So they are sponsoring us, you know, right now. So you you will still hear the commercial. But but uh, as they say in ham radio, <laughs> message received five by five. <laughs> okay, letter number two. Lou Greeley. Brad and Steve just got finished listening to covers part two. Loved it. As I wrote after you did the first show about covers in the 80s, I've been obsessed with covers since I discovered Brian Ibbett and his Coverville show, which is really good. It's a really good podcast. Um, There's no way you could listen to them all, but it's a great show if you're interested in that stuff. So this show is another great one, and I look forward to the next one. And Brad, I really appreciate you posting a link to the Groove Shark playlist in the podcast notes. I'm also a fan of Groove Shark. That's four bucks right there. Love it. Here's my proposal for another show concept. I tried this on daily, but his attention span ran out before he finished reading the end of the sentence. Call it the eponymous show. Bands that released songs with the same name as the band. Lots of bands released eponymous albums, but songs are more rare. Here's, he gives us some examples. Book of Love by Book of Love. In a Big Country by Big Country. And the hat trick pulled off by Ice House. The song Ice House off the album Ice House by the band Ice House. While they were drinking Ice House. <laughs> Probably not. Aren't they Australian? They must yeah. have better taste than that. I hope they weren't drinking Ice House. My favorite, and I think this is the canonical example, would be Talk Talk by Talk Talk. And I know it's not the title, but Everybody Wang Chung Tonight is what many people know the song by Wang Chung. Yeah, I would I would buy that. That 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 counts. So what do you think about that, says Sweet Lou? Mm, do you, were, were there any more that you were able to find? I, I have some thoughts. I, I think this is a great idea. And uh, the first one that, of course, came to mind was Devo uh, Has Feelings too from Smooth New... Oh, wait, that's a terrible song. Never mind. Um <laughs> They might be giants from They Might Be Giants. I was gonna say that's the one. That's the one I can remember at all. Um, Stray Cat Strut. Does that count? I guess it has an extra word in there. Yeah, we can. Okay. Well, if as long as it has the name of the band in there, I'll go with it. 
and and the other one that just I once I thought of it, I've been it's been stuck in my head all week is "Living in a Box" by "Living in a Box." <laughs> Do you remember that song? Yeah, yeah. I'm a living in a box, cardboard box. box. <laughs> living in a box. And the video, he's just like sitting in a white room. I'm like, that's a big cardboard box, dude. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's a that's a fun idea. I, I we may have just done the episode, but well, I, here's the challenge though for other people. So if if you're out there listening to us, and I hope you still are, um, send us your suggestions for that podcast. What other songs are we missing? And they don't have to be good songs, but they just have to be '80s songs. Cool. In the meantime, send your emails to well, you know them by now. Sit80s at gmail dot com, etc., etc., etc. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Cruise back to the 80s on the first ever 80s cruise. Seven days in the most radical party to ever hit the high seas with a totally awesome lineup of artists that define the sound of the decade. Join Huey Lewis and the News, Richard Marks, Starship, Cool and the Gang, A Flock of Seagulls, Modern English, Naked Eyes, Tiffany, Wang Chung, and Jesse's Girl, the ultimate 80s party band, and the original MTV VJs, Nina Blackwood, Mark Goodman, and Alan Hunter. As we cruise to exotic ports of core like Grand Turk, San Juan, St. Thomas, and the private island of Half Moon Key, we're going all out by building an 80s video game arcade with Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, and of course Pac-Man, showing movies like Ferris Bueller and Pretty in Pink, and there'll even be a VJ contest. Don't forget to pack your best 80s looks because we're having a prom night, a movie costume party, pajama party, and neon beach party. You can't miss this. Sailing from February 28th through March 6, 2016 for the most gnarly vacation ever. For more information, log on to the80scruise.com or call 844-384-8080. Is this the man? Yes, sir. Is this the gentleman who crashed through Victor Maitland's window? Who disabled a non-marked unit with a banana? Yes, sir. Who lured Taggett and Rosemont into a gross dereliction of duty at a striptease establishment? Uh, it's Rosewood, sir. Yes, sir. Is this the gentleman who ruined the buffet at the Harrow Club this morning. Yes, sir. I just bet you are the pride of your department in Detroit. And we're back. And we have just a few minutes left. And so it's time for me and Bradley to argue what is the legacy of Beverly Hills Cop? Uh, where does it stand among the pantheon of 80s comedies? Where does it rank among Mr. Murphy's movies? Is it the best movie with a wrecked buffet? Yeah. Is it the best movie of the 80s ever filmed in Beverly Hills? Or is Down and is Out in Beverly best? Hills a better Beverly Hills movie than Beverly Hills Cop? Is it the best 80s movie driven by bearer bonds? We didn't even talk oh, about Lethal Weapons. Does, yeah. yeah. No, is it Lethal Weapon and um, Die Hard? Yeah, Die Hard is, God. if I'm not mistaken, he talks about he's going to get 20% interest on these bonds. I'm like, where where is that happening? Yeah. I want I want those bonds. The 80s. So, okay, so first things first, um, where does it stand among Eddie Murphy's movies? Um, and and we'll, we'll narrow it down to the 80s because you can't really say that Eddie Murphy made anything that was – Really, that much better beyond our decade. Way better than the clumps. Way better. <laughs> I would say it's tough because I mean, 
I, I lean towards this as being his funniest movie, but I really like I really like Trading Places. I I watch Trading Places a lot. I hadn't seen Beverly Hills Cop in a long time, but I I did enjoy it. I laughed pretty hard at it, but Trading Places is funnier. Yeah, Trading Places is funnier, and then Forty Eight Hours is kind of it's it's not as funny as people think it is. No, it's a good movie. It's a good it's movie, not, but I it's think it's not a comedy. It's not it's not a straight comedy anyway. And when you can hold your breath all you want for the Golden Child podcast. I don't think that one's coming anytime soon. And you know, Beverly Hills Cop 2, honestly, I don't remember him as well in it. I remember the other characters in it because there's a little more light shown on those characters. So, I don't I, I don't mind Beverly Hills Cop 2. It's, it's I, I don't either. I just think it's more of an ensemble cast yeah, because I mean, the other characters get a little more ink. You know, I mean, I, I remember reading somewhere, and maybe we talked about this once before, but the sequels for Beverly Hills Cop were not supposed to take place in Beverly Hills. I know I had read somewhere that the sequels were supposed to be him going to other cities. Oh. And for whatever reason, they just decided, no. Well, it's just, isn't, Be- isn't Beverly Hills Cop Three at like Six Flags. It's uh, some amusement park in California. Yeah. You're you're better knowledge of that than I do. I, um, I just I remember seeing it once and thinking, well, that was a mistake. I mean, you you can say I think fairly plainly that this is probably the first. And obviously, the box office numbers. You know. Well, yeah, it had to make a it, it had to make an impression. It was on a huge. Hollywood, it was. It, it's probably a top ten comedy of the eighties because. And just in terms of the business it did and the franchise that it created. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you think that – I mean, this movie earns its R rating in a big hurry and stays right there all the way to the end. Just for the language. I mean, Well, there, the language and the violence. The violence. Not, there's only seven people who die in the whole movie. Yeah, but when, when Maitland dies, you don't see a lot of people – I mean, can you think of an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he kills a bunch of people and you see someone falling down the stairs in a completely red, bloody shirt? Oh, you know, you know he's. It's. I forgot it's about a that. Reasonably graphic death. Uh, uh, I, on the other, on the other side of the coin, you've got two guys with submachine guns who can't hit the broadside of a barn. But you know, I've never fired a submachine gun, so I don't know what kind of how hard it is to hit something with it. But well, one would hope. I'm just. I'm sort of used to the Hollywood folly of. Yeah. We're gonna have gunfights that last thirty minutes long, and no one's gonna get hit. <laughs> You know, just like at the end of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance yeah. Kid. No, I mean, I, it is one of those movies that it, it's far fewer deaths in it than people think happened. Yeah. But uh, anyway. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the there's know. no real nudity. I mean, there might be some in the in the strip club. There, a just bit. a little bit, not nothing little major. Bit. There's no there's no sexual violence. There's no. That's true. Um, nobody, nobody gets their skull split open or anything like that. Well, his his buddy Mike does get executed in the hallway. You don't actually see the bullet go into the head, but you see him pull his head back and put the gun to the back of his head. Yeah, that's kind of messy. Mike, of course, it is Detroit, so you know, that's we we call that Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I, I didn't even I forgot completely to even talk about the opening credits. I mean, everybody knows I have a certain sort of uh, oh attitude when it comes to the city of Detroit, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> probably not uh, unjustified. But the beginning of this movie is like you know how they always say, "Oh, the beginning of this movie is a is, is a love letter to Manhattan or something like that." The, be- right. the beginning of this movie is a big f- you to Detroit. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I turned to Katie as we were watching it last night, and I said, "If these neighborhoods looked like that, then they've been bulldozed by now." Oh, if no, they're probably just decaying, some like some sort of uh, 
dystopian yeah. future movie or something like that. It's yeah. I, dystopian current, I'm afraid. But uh, <laughs> I had completely forgotten about the whole uh, the truckload of cigarettes chase scene. Scene. I just it slipped my mind. I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah, I just like those cop cars. Those are like the world's oldest cop cars. You probably get those all from Dragnet. That's my second Dragnet reference today. Yeah. That's bad. It's pretty soon, Doctor Incognito is gonna be like, okay, enough with the enough with the Dragnet, Dragnet references. Just the facts, ma'am. Go back to talking about the '80s cruise. Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> I like that movie. There's nothing wrong with that movie. I, I like that movie too. It's it it strikes the right note of of silly and not silly one of these days one of these days we're gonna have to do all the tom hanks i don't know if we can do them in one podcast but tom hanks in the 80s <laughs> there's like like do speed round <laughs> speed round. he didn't have that many i mean don't don't big which is kind of the movie that kind of really got him started was wasn't until 1988 yeah, so okay. i mean he did have stuff before bachelor that. party that that was early yeah but i mean nobody talks about bachelor party except for us, us, yeah, exactly. The two of us. If I ever oh, get Hanks, and what, and what do we know? <laughs> if I ever get Hanks on the show, I swear to God, the first questions on my mind was, "Tell me about bachelor party." Really, I, I want to talk about that thing you do, but that's just me. That was on TV like thirty times today. Really? In fact, the reason we're not recording this podcast until far later in the evening than we originally planned was, I think I fell asleep on the couch watching that thing you do for the three hundredth time. I love that movie. Yeah, I know you do. But it's okay. Have you seen the extended version? There's an extended version? Yeah. <laughs> they squeeze the song in three more times? There's a couple new scenes, but a lot of scenes are a little bit longer. There's just a little bit more backstory behind. You know, It just gives you a little more color. If you like the movie, the DVD version is kind of nice. Oh, my God. I can't believe that exists. Anyway. You know, the funny thing is, I mean, I, I used to really care about DVDs and, and extended versions and director's cuts of movies. And now you just want to sit in your chair. <laughs> I, just and... want, like, <laughs> I just want this thing to be over. It's just, you know, yeah, even sorry, when I, I keep talking I, about stuff off topic. Even when I watched Beverly Hills Cop on my computer, I was sitting there fast forwarding through the truck scene, fast forwarding through everything. I'm what? Like, oh, I, I just, give me the dialogue. That's all I wanted to did hear. You fast forward through the. Did you have a club soda while you fast forwarded through the strip club scene? Uh, I think I watched that one. Philip, 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 you've changed, man. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's a good movie. I'm glad it turned 30 years old. I'm glad I had a chance to talk about it one more time. I believe if you look around in your own town, I'm sure there's some time where one of the local movie houses will be, probably be playing it again. It's on Netflix and Amazon Prime this month. Excellent. So definitely no excuse not to stream. Yeah, it. definitely, definitely worth your time. Um, in the meantime, don't forget to uh, send us those letters with uh, here with more of the uh, was it eponymous. Yes, eponymous songs. Yeah, am I saying that right? Eponymous. I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> I hope I'm right because I hate it when I'm wrong. Hey, this has been fun. We'll be back here one more time, hopefully before Christmas with a special Christmas show. And we also have an idea for a really fun stocking stuffer uh, podcast. Ooh, stocking, stuffer. stocking stuffer. So I'm not going to been bad, 80s nation. It's coal all the way down. Yeah. You got rid of that once, too. Hey, in the meantime, <laughs> Brad, Steve, and Axel Foley, we remain here, hopelessly, stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a class of 85 production. Please listen responsibly. Do I go in? Do I not go in? Do I go in? Do I not go in? He's sitting in the car trying to figure out whether he should get in or out. That's a great scene. Of course, there's no dialogue, so we can't drop in a clip here. Well, that kind of fails then, doesn't it? Well, you suck, Spears. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>